So that's one thing that I love doing every day. We read all the articles that the reporters write in English, and we translate them into Spanish so everyone can have it. And one of my things, working as a translator, when my grandma was alive, I always thought of her because she didn't understand English. And she would love, like, she loved everything that she could get her hands on that was church-related. And always in my mind was my grandma. And all the people that cannot understand English, that they can feel the Spirit, because I think it's so different to receive the gospel in your own language. And I love that because when that happens, it's fulfilling the prophecy, you know, that the gospel is going to be spread in all nations, kindred, tongues, and I love it. I love what I do. So, I'm Sarah Jane Weaver, editor of The Church News. Welcome to The Church News Podcast. We are taking you on a journey of connection as we discuss news and events of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. One of the greatest blessings of the work of The Church News where we strive each day to create a record of the restoration of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is witnessing and experiencing how church members across the globe connect to one another through their belief in the Savior. This episode of the Church News Podcast features Nadia Gavarat, the Church News Spanish Translation Coordinator. Born in South America, Nadia brings a unique perspective and global experience to the Church News. Fluent in Spanish, Portuguese, and English, She joins this episode to talk about the church in South America, the blessings of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the journey that led her to the church news. Nadia, welcome so much to the Church News Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Well, it's great to have you here. I'm hoping you can just start and tell us a little bit about yourself. So my story begins with my parents. My mom, she joined the church when she was 14. She was a Catholic. And her story is kind of interesting how she started because... A friend of her, she actually met the missionaries, and the missionaries were going to go to her house, so she invited my mom to say, hey, you always know all the answers for the questions, so come and come and join us so you can answer some of them. So when she went, the missionaries, you know, talked the word of wisdom that time, and after that meeting with the missionaries, my mom went home, and she told her parents, no more, like, I'm not going to drink any more coffee, just milk for me. It was interesting how the conversion started happening very rapidly in her life. And to me, that was, my mom has always been such a beacon of light in my life. So after she got baptized, her parents got baptized. And well, my parents knew each other since they were young. You know, they were in the same ward. And so they started dating and then they got married. So my dad's story, he got baptized when he was eight, but my grandma She met the church when my dad was six. Yeah, he just joined the church when he was eight. My grandpa never got baptized, but he was always such a strong supporter of going to church and paying the tithing and all of that. So I think that was always like something that inspired my dad, even though he didn't want to maybe commit to the church. He always, you know, fulfilled his responsibilities and always was encouraged them to go to church. And your dad is a general authority for the church. Tell us who your parents are. So my dad, is his name is Eduardo Gavaret, and my mom is Norma Gavaret. So my dad was called to be a general authority in 2008. And so much of your life has been defined by their journey and their commitment 
two covenants in the church because they moved for employment for the church, correct? Yes. So my dad, before he used to work um, as a general manager in a pharmaceutical company, so we moved all over South America. We lived in Bolivia, we lived in Peru, then we moved to Brazil. So in every country, he was always serving and having like leadership experiences. And so to me, it was always like so amazing to see his devotion for Heavenly Father. So you're born in Paraguay, and then you have this journey that takes you all across South America. Yes. Where were some of the places that you lived? So I was born in Paraguay, in Asuncion. Then we moved to La Paz, Bolivia. We lived there for seven years. And then we moved to Lima, Peru. I think it was three years that we were living there. And then we moved to Brazil. And we were there for, I think, I believe, seven years. So, so. so what I want to talk to you is about that move to Brazil. Because in those first three countries, you're speaking Spanish. You're a little younger. But you end up in Brazil as a teenager who doesn't speak Portuguese. Correct. Yes. I was almost 12 when we moved to Brazil. And it was a shock. Like you arrive to a country and you have no idea what they're saying. So it was humbling for sure. But one thing that I remember from those years is I remember the first weekend that we arrived to Brazil, we went to church and we sat there. We didn't understand a thing, but you could feel the spirit. You know, you could feel that familiarity that comes with church meetings with the church members that even though you don't know what they were saying, they just embrace you and you could feel that you belong, which I love because it recalls from the Elder Dita Christofferson's talk about the doctrine of belonging. And we all want to belong. And the church makes that possible for all of us. Well, I have seen the church and things that occur within church settings transcend language on multiple occasions. One of my favorite times was at the uh, rededication of the Tahiti Temple. And in that temple dedication, there was a moment at the end where everyone is singing. And some of those who were visiting from Salt Lake were singing in English. And then you had Tahitian Latter-day Saints who were singing in both Tahitian and French. And those languages sort of wove together. And there was this moment where the church felt very small, very united, with very few barriers. Now, I know that doesn't happen all the time. One of the reasons we brought you to Church News is because we want to break down barriers that would prevent those who don't speak English from connecting with our content. Talk about what you do every day. So I love translating. I think that has been a thing that I've always done since I was a teenager. Like I taught myself English when I was a teenager, so I'm self-taught. And the reason why I did it is because my dad would always get some books from the church and I wanted to read them. You know, I wanted to read what the apostles were saying, what, what they had to share, but they had never been translated. So we could never find them in Spanish. So I started teaching myself English so I could read those. So, you know, I was a little bit odd in the sense that instead of reading, I don't know, fantasy books, I wanted to read the books of you know, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland or what he had to say. So I that's one thing that I loved doing as a teenager. And then as my English started improving, I would help my dad, you know, translate stuff, whatever he like he had articles for church or he had like first day conference and stuff like that. So one thing that I loved doing, so when my parents were serving as mission presidents, 
one funny thing happened in one of the meetings. Elder M. Russell Ballard was visiting the Paraguay Asuncion mission. And for some reason, the interpreter didn't show up. And so my dad volunteered me <laughs> to, to help to translate at the, the meeting. And it was the best experience of my life, but it was super nerve-wracking too because I have never I was 18 you know and speaking in front of all these people and my English was not that great but it was just so awesome to I think that was my first experience that I felt to translate and to share the gospel you have to have the spirit if you don't have the spirit it doesn't work the spirit has to be there you know in order to touch people's lives and I remember like Elder Ballard, he was just so sweet. You know, he was just, you know, put his hand around me. He's like, it's okay, you can do it. You're doing great. You know, so sweet. So I, I have very fond memories of that time. And that was like one of my first experiences with translation. And I think that was the moment when I said, oh, I want to do this. I want to help to share the gospel everywhere. And I can't imagine the pressure of being 18 and doing side-by-side translation. I can just imagine this huge gathering of Latter-day Saints who want to hear the words of now President Ballard. He would have been a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles at that time. Mm-hmm. And so there's Elder Ballard. And and the one thing that stands between them receiving the message and Elder Ballard giving the message is you. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was super intense. So that's one thing that I, I love doing every day. That's, that's part of my job every day. We read all the articles that the reporters write in English and, you know, we translate them into Spanish so everyone can have it. And one of my things working as a translator and right now a coordinator and with all my years of experience with translation was when my grandma was alive, I always thought of her because she didn't understand English. And she would love, like she was the kind of person that she would read the Liahona from cover to the end. Like she loved everything that she could get her hands on that was church related. And I think always in my mind was my grandma and all the people that they don't cannot understand English, that they can feel the spirit because I think it's so different to receive, I think, the gospel in your own language. It's so different. Sometimes people they just want, like, they, that's why they love when President Nelson, you know, he speaks in Spanish because they're craving that. They want to hear the words of the gospel in their own language. And I love that because when that happens, it's fulfilling the prophecy, you know, that we read in Alma, you know, that the gospel is going to be spread in all nation, kindred, tongues. And so I love it. I love what I do. So. Well, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up President Russell M. Nelson because he embarked on these global ministry tours after he became president of the church. And then when he was in South America and in the Caribbean, he would stand up and he would do a few things with the translator and then he'd dismiss the translator and then he'd say in Spanish, you know, is it okay if I give the rest of my talk in Spanish? And you could just feel the energy in the room change because a prophet had gone to those people in their country and addressed them in their language. He had broken down the barriers between them and hearing the counsel that the Lord has for them. Yeah, it's it's something, like you said, you can feel the energy and people thrive with that. They want to hear the gospel. They want to share it and they can feel the spirit and they can feel that he cares 
And when we can see these, all these articles and seeing all the goodness that is happening in the world, sometimes, you know, the darkness that we can see right now in the world goes dim because the light that the church is spreading, it's higher, it's brighter. I want to talk to you about when you first knew the church is true. You are raised in a family of very, very faithful parents, second generation members of the church in South America. And yet there has to be a moment when you said, I think this is what I'm going to commit my life to. And I love the fact that it was such a strong commitment that then you sought out the words of church leaders in English. Yeah. So I remember my baptism like it was yesterday, like the spirit was very strong the day I got baptized. And for being so young, like I felt it. I felt that this was something good. And I think growing up, you know, you start looking at your parents. Like my parents are my biggest example of service and of kindness and of living a Christ-like life. But then you start growing up and you see what goodness the church leaders are doing. And they just want to help you go back to Heavenly Father. And I think it was not just one instance that I received that confirmation that the church is true, but it has been all through my life. So to me, the church is the most precious gift in my life, and I love the gospel. I want to talk to you a little bit about the path that you came on that led you here to the church news, because it is a path where the Lord has prepared you to do the work that you're doing now. You studied linguistics at Brigham Young University and then ultimately worked for the church as a translator where you were exposed to a lot of amazing church content. Talk about that process of being a church employee and translating things that matter to people. It was amazing. We did a lot of content. So we would translate the Liahona, the General Conference, the manuals, the saints, the manual at the pulpit, all the manuals that you use for church teaching. So to me, it was amazing because I think that it was a different confirmation of the spirit and the work that he does. That's when I knew that I needed to start every translation that I do. I start with a prayer. I need to start with a prayer because otherwise it's not the same. So when you have the company of the Spirit when you're doing a translation, the Spirit is just going to flow. It's interesting how it happens because sometimes you're writing, you're translating, and you think that that's the word that you need to use, but the Spirit tells you, use this one. And sometimes that's the word that, or a sentence, or it can reach people in a different way. So to me, it's amazing how, as members of the church, we count and we are able to pray and to have the company constantly. And if we choose to do it, because it's a, it's a choice, you know, we need to choose that we want his company and seek for it. It just doesn't happen. But it's an invitation for action to follow. So through all my years of doing translation and helping with coordination or supervision, one of my main goals was always that, you know, start with a prayer, start your work day with a prayer. And ask, who can you bless today? How can I bless someone today? How can the Spirit guide you to to inspire someone? You know, if, either is it by communications, like, you know, like an article or translation. Many ways you can do that. And I'm so glad that you brought up that you translated both General Conference and Saints. 
we have done previous podcasts on saints. Saints is this amazing collection of narrative history of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The version you would have translated would have been the early church as Joseph Smith was restoring the gospel to the earth. And then the saints were moving from city to city, ultimately being in Nauvoo. And yet the next volumes of that narrative history include the internationalization of the church, the spread of the church. It's beautiful to me that you had this great experience with President Ballard because his grandfather, Melvin J. Ballard, is the person who actually dedicates South America for the preaching of the gospel. In 1924, he is in Argentina, and he's not having much success, and he offers a prayer on all of those countries. And then just before he leaves, he makes a prophecy. He says that the work in South America will start like a little seed, like an acorn, but it'll grow to a strong oak tree. Now, you have seen the oak tree. (laughs) When you think about the work in South America and how the church is blessing the lives of our members, what comes to your mind? I think that every time I see how the church is growing and how many temples are being built, it's kind of another confirmation that the church is true. Because everything that we've been taught, that we learn in the scriptures, that the gospel is going to be spread through all the world. It's happening. And it is just exciting to see how how it's happening, how fast it's happening, how people are eager to know, to come back to Jesus Christ and to follow him, you know, to follow the prophets and to heed his words and obey and follow. So to me, it's just amazing the growth that it has been and I just just love that. Isn't it amazing that as part of a symbol of growth of the church in South America, and for that matter, across the globe, is this building of temples? We've had numerous eras where we have engaged in accelerated temple building. One of those was the early 2000s with President Gordon B. Hinckley. And at that time, both Paraguay and Uruguay and so many other places in South America got temples. What did the temples mean to the saints there? The temples, I think they're a beacon of light and they're a beacon of hope and peace. And I think a promise of Heavenly Father of better days ahead. Uh, You can go inside the temple and forget about the problems of the world, at least for a little bit, especially in the world that we live nowadays when we see so much, you know, um, commotion going on. Uh, I think, like uh, President Nelson is saying, we need to go more often to the temples. I was actually in the dedication of the Temple of Paraguay in 2002. So we were there, which was funny because it was a few months before my parents were called mission presidents to Paraguay. And it was just amazing to be there, to be in the dedication. You can see how the energy of the people, the the happiness that they have to have a temple in their country. Because sometimes for a lot of a lot of the members, you had to travel. So the, the first temple in South America was Brazil, was Sao Paulo. And a lot of people had to travel to go to the temple. My parents, when they got married, they had to save, you know, for a year. So they could travel from, they had gotten married in Uruguay, then they moved to Paraguay. So my oldest brother had been born. So they went to the temple like a year later, it was 1979 or 1980. I 
remember exactly. But they went to the Sao Paulo temple to get sealed. And it's a sacrifice for many members. It was a big sacrifice. And people do it with joy because they wanted to go to the temple. So when I see that new temples are being built in all South America, to me, it brings so much joy because it makes the access of the covenants and of the temple closer to them and to experience those blessings that everyone needs. And I love that as your parents are starting their marriage in in 1979, 1980, in those early, early years, that the Sao Paulo Temple had just been dedicated. The Sao Paulo Temple is dedicated in 1978, and it is this historic temple that would be a gathering place for Latter-day Saints across the whole continent. And look what it did for your parents. It's much easier, I am assuming, to go from Paraguay to uh, Sao Paulo than it is to try and go to Mesa or Washington, D.C. or even Salt Lake City. Yeah, exactly. So I live in Bountiful and I have my temple five minutes away. So to me, those are the blessings of the gospel. You know, there's a temple in Uruguay, there's a temple in Paraguay, there's several temples in Brazil, in Peru, in Bolivia. So it's amazing to see that the blessings are coming and they're spreading and people can enjoy that. I covered the dedication of the church's temple in Manaus, Brazil. And Manaus is this isolated city. It's surrounded by water. It's mostly accessible by boat or by plane. And the members there have this legacy of sacrifice where starting in the early 1990s, they got on a boat and went down the Amazon River and then rode a bus to get to the Sao Paulo Temple. And finally, they had grown and the church was stable enough that they could support a temple in their city. And one was dedicated. And And after the dedication, I had gone to family home evening with this family. There was this little boy who was eight or nine and And we were having a conversation, and he was talking about the Amazon River Basin and how amazing it was going to be for them to have a temple there. And he asked if I had temples in my basin. And I said, oh, yes, I have Salt Lake and Bountiful and and Jordan River. And, you know, at this time, we could just name temples going all the way from from Logan down to St. George that would all be accessible within several hours wherever you lived on the Wasatch Front. And he interrupted me as I started naming all these temples. He said, oh, sister, how do you sacrifice? And so it is a hard thing for us to think about the blessings of temples and then the ability to use the temples and be in the temple. I think that's correct. And sometimes I think about that, the sacrifice, because when you have a temple so close, I think sometimes we take it for granted. Most of the times we do. And To me, it has been a goal to follow uh, what President Nelson said and to go to the temple as often as we can. And sometimes maybe the sacrifice is not in hours or in miles that you went to the temple, but it's leaving something that is not as important to something that matters most. And I think that that's what has changed my perspective. I try to take my son to do baptisms at least once a month, and it's kind of interesting to schedule appointments for do proxy baptisms because they're always so full. But we do, and sometimes we have to be there at 6 a.m. And, you know, probably for my son, that is a sacrifice on his sleep. (laughs) So there are other types of sacrifices. But um, I think when we 
put the goal, we make the goal and the effort to go to the temple, our lives change. And I think our perspective on life change and also how we treat others. I think we become more Christ-like because we're filled with that goodness that comes from going to the temple. President Nelson has said it's easier to build temples, and he is building a lot of temples. But this idea that it's easier to build those than it is to build a people that are prepared to enter the temple. And I want to talk about the thing that is really beautiful to me about the temple, because anyone can go into any temple anywhere in the church and receive those covenants in their own language. The translation of the temple ceremony is such a beautiful manifestation of God's love for his children. Yes, I I have experienced that love, and I think people all over the world experience that because it is just so different. It is so different to receive and do those covenants in your own language. And I think you can feel, you can feel that Heavenly Father cares for all of us. doesn't matter if you speak Chinese or, I don't know, you know, Spanish. It's all translated for you because he wants you to individually learn about those covenants, make those covenants, go to the temple, feel the spirit, you know, receive those blessings. It is available for all of us. And I am so grateful that you are making greater blessings available through your translation of church news content and other important Latter-day Saint content to Latter-day Saints across the globe. We have a tradition at the podcast where we ask people to answer the same question. And the question is, what do you know now? And so, Nadia, as we close today, what do you know now after making content about leaders and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints available to others through translation? What I know is that Heavenly Father is aware of all of us. And because of church news and the translations that we're doing and what we're sharing and the goodness that he wants to be spread all over the world, he knows that he's showing his love for all of us through that. If we listen to the words of the apostles, of the leaders in this church, if we go to the temple, we can feel the love of Heavenly Father for us. He's there. He's always there for us. You have been listening to the Church News Podcast. I'm your host, Church News Editor Sarah Jane Weaver. I hope you have learned something today about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints by peering with me through the Church News window. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast. And if you enjoyed the messages we shared today, please make sure you share the podcast with others. Thanks to our guests, to my producer, Kellyanne Halverson, and others who make this podcast possible. Join us every week for a new episode. Find us on your favorite podcasting channel or with other news and updates about the church on thechurchnews.com.